0: Indiana Runner Podcast season five, episode eight. Derek Leininger and I check in about the Indiana Runner indoor series and then just spend some time uh with thoughts about general coaching. Cue the Derek Leininger theme music. Music can only mean one thing. We're once again joined by Derek Leininger, and as has been tradition, is she she ready for her joke? Yep, she's coming over. All right. Derek's daughter, who is 12 years old. 12. Big 12. Sixth grade, and she's got a joke for us. George, what do you got?
1: Okay, um, this one, this is a one-liner, so it goes like this. Two men walk into a bar. The third one ducks
0: nice classic boom all right it so was. we are in the midst of our indiana runner series two down one to go would you consider it two down one to go or two down two to go since the other one is two separate
1: meets well the other two are really two separate meets so it's four down two to go oh wow okay
0: well yeah that simplifies to two over three i think okay um Colin Altavote and Derek Leininger here, two guys with faces for radio, but voices for more traditional print media. And we are going to bring you all the action. So Derek, in our old stomping grounds, my old stomping grounds, your current stomping grounds, we had the Indiana runner invite, I believe is the official one. It's our Fort Wayne meet. We had our Fort Wayne meet last weekend. How'd it go?
1: Well, Stomping Grounds is correct because the PFW Mastodons, that was our venue this weekend. Shout outs. Shout outs to the Dons, my alma mater. You know why it's called Mastodons, right? What's that?
0: You know why it's called Mastodons?
1: Because Mastodons were found underneath Coliseum Boulevard. I don't know.
0: Yeah. No, that is it.
1: Well, I don't think it's right there, but like in the area, yeah.
0: Yeah, on campus, I think they found a Mastodon
1: somewhere. Well, there you go. So... One day they're going to join the big dance. They're going to win their league in basketball, men's basketball, and they're going to be dancing, and then they'll get – they'll beat, you know, like 84 to 17 by, like, Gonzaga or somebody. But they'll get there. Can't wait. One day. day. Hey, so it was interesting because we were at the field house on Saturday, and this is where I went to college at. But when I went to college, the northern part of that athletic center didn't exist yet it was literally just a field. It was a, it was a grassy field. So I was thinking, man, they really put the house in field house because it used to just be a field. <laughs> yeah. I'll be, I'll be here all night or for the extent of the podcast. really.
0: It, uh, well, we're limited to 40 minutes. Um, <laughs> it is. I know we talked about this in an earlier one. It is a re- it's a really nice facility and a really oh, yeah. nice track. I mean, it's new that helps out, but yeah, yeah it's, it's a, a, not brand new how old is it five or six years for that track
1: i i think it's more like 10 i think it's 10, 10 years it was just after
0: yeah that sounds right because i you were co- i remember going watching some meets there and you were coaching my dad i was, was still coaching. coaching that's probably been, been like
1: yeah it's about 10 years ago
0: um this was our this was our biggest this is our biggest fort wayne meet yet right
1: yeah this was our I mean, this was our, outside of the showcase meet, which has historically been our largest meet, this was our second biggest meet we've ever run, only second to the meet we had two weeks ago at Taylor. So we've had our two biggest regular meets, uh, you know, non-showcase meets that we've ever had. The really cool thing was, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit last time, but this was, we started these youth meets this year, trying to open up opportunities for younger kids to really get out and compete in some of these indoor track meets. And we had over we this was bigger than our first meet with the youth portion over 150 athletes over 300 entries um it's just awesome to see like you know these these younger kids just getting after it and competing in track the field it's 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 fun to watch
0: it really was cool and there were some you know there were some clubs like the apple seeds, which is based in Fort Wayne um you work with the apple seeds my sister does as well um and there's some really young kids in that And and then there were some, you know, some track clubs that were coming from kind of far away. That the, that the idea of it has just grown and I think it'll it'll continue to grow over the years of you know it's a it's a it's a fun thing to do, it's a good sport to get your kids into, and you don't have to once we made the youth meet idea, you don't have to be that serious about it. You can just kind of come and and yeah. you know, pay a pay a small entry fee, and then your kid can run the two hundred, or the four hundred, or the eight hundred, or whatever, you know, whatever they they want to do. And you can have a six year old or an eight year old, and you know, like your daughter ran um, and got to run in the sixteen hundred. That it's just a good, it's a good experience, a good way to kind of introduce them to track and field in a kind of a low pressure, fun environment.
1: Yeah, low pressure, and really in in the grand scheme of things, low price. Like it's ten bucks a race. So if you came out and did, you know, a couple races. Or a race and a long jump or something, which a lot of kids did long jump. I mean, for twenty bucks, you get to compete in a, a pretty well, we think is a pretty good, pretty well organized track meet. And in like relation to other every other youth sport that I've ever seen, like that is a fraction of the cost that you would pay for most most to compete in this sort of, you know, an event like this. So um yeah, hopefully, hopefully it's a really good experience. It was cool to watch all those young kids compete on Saturday.
0: You got any highlights from the youth meet? I, I got one thing that sticks out. You got
1: any? Um, we had a couple 15 foot middle school girls in long jump. That's pretty solid. Um, yeah, no kidding. I I didn't peruse those. Res- I, I looked at the high school meet. The high school results, you know, in more depth than the youth meet. But um, shout outs to uh, someone I live with who broke seven minutes in the mile on Saturday. That was pretty cool. Could you? The, could uh, you break? You could break seven right now, couldn't you? I can break seven. Okay. Um, I couldn't break six. So we're talking about minute benchmarks. She and I are in the same ballpark right now. There you go. Yeah.
0: There was, uh, I think in the 400, the winner was either 54 or 55 for the boys. Yeah. And I asked him, I said, where are you going to go to high school? And he misunderstood the question and said, I'm not in high school. I was like, I understand (laughs) that. He said, where? He said, he's going to go to Homestead. His name was, I think it was Jace Trevino. Oh. And uh, yeah, he was. He had a seed time that was like 54, but it wasn't 54 exactly, so it was like obviously from a previous meet. I don't know if you like he ran last year or whatever. Like 54 10 for an eighth graders yeah, pretty good. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, if you 54, 54, 54 10 or, or even you know 50 in the 54s, automatic timing indoors for a high schooler now, you're like, yeah, he's he's probably going to be a leg on our four x four outdoors.
1: Yeah, I had, I think I. I coached two runners who went like 53, 54 in middle school. And they were half of our state championship four by four in 2010. Like those, those guys both split 47s by the time they graduated and under 155 in the 800. So yeah, that's pretty rare error to be that fast in middle school. Watch out, watch
0: out Homestead. That's where he told me he was going. In the Uh, high
1: school meet though, a lot of highlights. So there were, I looked it up. 45 leader, leaderboard performances from our boys' meet and 36 from our girls' meet. Um, I don't know if you were – how, how closely you checked out the results, but Ben Davis boys hurdlers, they went 1-2-3 in the meet, and they're 2-3-4 in the state right now. So, Carnell went 875, West was 882, and Burns was 884. Jeez. So, um, unless you hit – like, and they might all three hit the auto standard outdoors, but think about that. Like, they might. With those times – yeah, like yeah. 110 hurdles, like Ben Davis might have three guys in the state finals this year, which is obviously unique because unless they all hit the state standard, you can only enter two in the sectional. So watch out for the Ben Davis uh, hurdlers there on the boys' side. Um, Povo was cool to watch. The uh, the kid from LaVille, uh, Lincoln Holsey, went 14-6, um, took one shot at 14-9, and then um, he had some something going on where he didn't want to keep jumping some something like uh, injury, I think. But um, he's like, I'm just trying to play it safe. So he didn't. He stopped. He bowed out after one attempt. But 14.6 in the pole vaults, no joke. Um, the uh, the Westfield kid, Dylan Walker, he went 59, 50.9, not 59 seconds, because that's not nearly as fast. 50.9 and 22.9, 400, 200 double, which is really good on a flat 200 meter track. Like, that's yeah. those are solid times. You know, the times we see faster than that are um, so far, most of them come off like a bank track, like in Louisville like, this past weekend. Mm-hmm. But then on the girl side, um TJ McKenzie, I talked to her for a minute. Um, she she went seven sixty-nine in the sixty and twenty five eighty seven in the two hundred, both were really good. She went over nineteen at our track meet two weeks ago down at Taylor. But I and I so I knew she's like really good in long jump, like potential state champion. And so when I was talking to her at the staging area in uh before the 200 i said hey i had long jump go and she said she hit she hit one that was like almost 19 but she wasn't even close to the board so she in in her mind she was hypothesizing that was probably one of her best jumps she's ever had Uh, but obviously in the high school competition we measure from the board not from where you jump although in the youth meet we some of the young kids we measure from where they jump from we give them every every inch of their jump because because they're youth so shout outs it makes sense Uh, Girl 1600 was really fast, too. A lot of girls under 530. Um, Ava Gerald from Pelton Heights went 512. She was up front. HSC sophomore Elizabeth Butler had a nice 514-1120 double. Those are number four, number two Ooh. in the state right now. And then also in the girls' pole vault, Kaylee Swart, the senior from Cathedral, went 126. She attempted four meters, which is 13-1.5. Um, didn't quite hit it, but she had some pretty good jumps at it. But yeah, overall, a lot of really good – performances from our second meet uh, on saturday
0: that's northern indiana man they love pole vault like we had just had i mean i don't know how many how many female vaulters we had and then that you know we did we did all of the the girls and the women first and then we moved on to the boys and the men later on and it was like we were finishing the vault and i think the 3200 was going on right yes i mean it took uh, it me- took all day
1: We so we moved it back. So at Taylor, we started the the pole vault at noon and it didn't finish till after 7 p.m. And with PFW, we we only had the field house from 7 to 7. We had a 12-hour contract. So in order for us to ensure that we were gonna finish the pole vault, we moved it all the way back to 10 a.m. So with the girls started at 10, they went till about a 1, and then the boys started at 2 and they went a little past 5. So ended up being you know what's that seven a little over seven hours of pole vaulting um so yeah we were smart enough to learn from our first meet and say hey we got to get this we got to back this start time because we had 45 vaulters between girls and boys you know and that the vault just takes a long time like you're resetting the the crossbar you're moving standards up and back um you know like when vaulters haven't vaulted for a minute they get up there and they kind of go through their routine so you know it just it just takes a long time and when you have a lot of girls vaulting 10, 11, 12 feet, a lot of guys hitting 12, 13, 14 feet, you're just, it's just a long competition because people keep clearing bars and going up. So um, yeah, for, for whatever reason, we've drawn some really good pole vault competition to our first two meets so far.
0: Uh, I didn't put this in the rundown. You may not be prepared for this. Um, would you say that this is a typical year in the vault, a strong year in the vault, or maybe kind of a down year in the vault? For for the boys and the girls.
1: I think it's I think it's pretty typical. I think the vault has gotten really good in Indiana over the past ten years. Like you've got you know, Cole Johnston, he was a 17 footer last year. You know, Swartz was thirteen five, um, has already run thirteen five this year, which is number five all time. So you've got some historically great vaulters now, but you also have really good depth. Like it I remember years like this is back like when you and I were, you know, in high school and college we're like 13, six, 13 feet would, would grab that last spot in the boys vault and girls vault at that time was just developing. Um, we're now, I mean, it's like, if you're not over 14, like you're not, you're not scoring and the girls vault has just kept getting better. It's kind of embarrassing
0: uh, how late we added girls pole vault, right?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, that's true of all girl sports. Like we didn't think girls could run cross country until 1980. Like that's, yeah, that's, that's we didn't dumb. think
0: girls could run five thousand meters like the boys until two thousand seven.
1: <laughs> we thought we thought five thousand was too far, yeah. And we and that's still that's still the same way in college though. Like women yeah. would be six k and men are ten k for like you know D one nationals. Like that's it's crazy, yeah. but but then for for outdoor track you still have the women's ten thousand. So you have an event in track which is fifty percent over fifty percent further than the cross country race, which right. is kind of weird. Yeah but it's um,
0: outdoor or outlook rather for our indoor showcase we're so based on the numbers i mean we, we feel like this this may be our biggest and most competitive showcase meet duos ever right
1: i think so um i mean we're returning to wabash college which was has always been a great venue um looking at the looking at the 10-day forecast which is you know it'll change 10 times probably um, but it's supposed to be pretty nice. Like it's pretty nice in Fort Wayne right now. It'll supposed to be in the kind of the fifties and then, um, Good kind PPM of that, weather like,
0: today in Indianapolis.
1: There you go. Um, but like if it's, there've been years where we've done the showcase at Wabash and it's been pretty nice relative to, you know, mid February where like sprinters and distance runners are doing their warmups on the outdoor track, which is right outside the door from the indoor facility, which is really cool when you have, you know, because I, obviously it alleviates a lot of room inside. Um, the thing that, yeah, so I think it might be our biggest and best ever. The thing that like when I was coaching and we, you know, Drake was running the showcase at that time. Uh, he still is, but I wasn't part of it at the, at, the, at that time. Um, that was like our last shot at like an open race. Mm-hmm. So like the HSR, you got your 60 dash, your 60 hurdles and your 3200. Those are the only open running events. Like 200, 400, 800, 1600, we even throw, a, you know, 1200 in like, if you want to pop a really good, here's my season, best open eight, here's my best indoor 16 time. not, not counting a you know, DMR split, like the showcase is a meat for it. So we always, we always, you know, send our athletes and um, thought that we thought it was a pretty big deal because once you hit HSR for us, like, cause we were, we were pretty much a mid distance crew like it was all about four by eight, four by four DMR guys didn't really have a chance to run those open races anymore. So that showcase becomes a really big, you know, individual opportunity to say, I'm going to go out and hit 1600 PR and then be ready for these HSR series. So way the sprints all morning, the distance all evening. It's really cool. Cause it, there's nothing quite like that. Like, um, like when you go to track meet, you know, you, you just know the sprinters are like, Oh my gosh, there's seven heats of the boys 1600. I'm so bored. Or you go to a, you go to a race and like the two milers are warming up and lamenting the 18 heats of the 200 that they have to wait for. Right. But like here, it's like, like, no, like it, it moves. And if you're a sprinter, you could run a couple races. You're only there for, you know, four hours or so you go home. If you're a distance runner, you can double up or you can, you know, you'll run your one race, whatever. But it's cool. Like when it's everybody who's in the sprints is all there in the morning, everyone in the distance is all there in the evening. Um, it's just kind of an interesting format that we developed and it's been really cool to, to, to be part of those races over the years. And
0: what I like about it, which, I mean, this is how every track meet or almost every track meet does it, but when there are so many entrants in it, like, and then everyone seeds themselves basically at the time about the time that, that he or she thinks can be run. Right. Where the coach says, okay, yeah, I think you're in about this kind of shape. And that's what the the kids enter themselves out or their parents enter themselves at. like it's cool to be in a race with like 15, 16, 18 other kids. And you're all about the same ability level. Yeah. Whereas, you know, once, once you get to some of the bigger track meets and it's like an invitational and there may be some schools that have a more developed distance program or whatever. And there's a much wider variance in that same race of those 16 kids at at their conference meet or whatever here. It's like, dude, these races are going to be competitive. And if you seed yourself at a good time, which most people would know what they could do because they've either run one before, right? We've had so many entries at our previous two meets. So you have an idea of what you can run because you just did it. Or um, your coach might have a good idea or you have a good idea of what kind of shape you're in. Like that's, that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, you think about like those, you know, like if the mile's going to have several heats, those middle heats are going to be like everybody's within like 10 seconds or 15 seconds of each other, um, particularly on the boys side, because there's going to be there's typically more boys entries. So like you might have a boys mile that is they're all between five flat and 510, you know, and it's like, hey, this is the perfect race to break five minutes because mm-hmm. the whole field is running that same, you know, chasing that same time, basically. Um, so yeah, that's a great point, Colin. One of of your few great points of the night so far. Well,
0: the, the, the last podcast you and I did together was our hundredth podcast. So, you know, I I certainly haven't made a hundred good points, but if you comb through all of them, you can, you can, you can go mining for some nuggets in there. (laughs) Uh, how about HSR finals? What are we going to do for that?
1: So, uh, we're teaming up. So Michael Jefferson with JC connect, we've teamed up with him multiple times before. Shout and out. we're going to, we're, we're going to, we provide the commentary. We're talking about we as like Indiana runner personalities. We provide the commentary, Michael Jefferson and JC Connect and his crew um, do the, the broadcasting technology side. Cause you and I don't know anything about that stuff. Um, I don't know. And we're gonna do, it's gonna be a, what's that? I don't know anything about anything. That's well. Okay. So specifically this as well, then um covered all our bases, but it's going to be totally free online broadcast at the HSR finals. Uh, large schools in the morning this year. Drake Sterling is going to be on the call there. Still trying to get him um, a co-commentator. Small schools in the afternoon. Worst,
0: worst case scenario is you got me jumping in every
1: once in a while with Drake. That is worst case scenario. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> uh, I guess small. the worst
0: case scenario would be me the whole time.
1: <laughs> Speaking of worst case scenario, Colin will be on in the in the small school meet along with his guy Taylor Marshall. Shout outs to the Carmel cross country staff. Um, so here here's my in terms of the HSR finals, and I know I'm going to rub some people, some ruffle some feathers here, but it is the indoor state meet. Some people are like, oh, it's not. It's just another meet. No, it's not. It is the indoor state meet. And no, not every single team is there. Some people's spring breaks conflict and whatnot. And no, not every single athlete participates in indoor track the way they do in outdoor. I get all that. But when I was coaching, we always called it the indoor state meet. We knew the HSR Finals was the indoor state meet. Is there meet. really
0: backlash to call I mean it's not for an IHSA state championship, but it's the indoor state meet. It's the
1: it's, indoor it's state. It's people meet. from all over the
0: state and you have to qualify for it.
1: There are some purists who would say, No, it's not, it's just a, it's just an indoor invitational that you have to qualify for. Yeah, like, those well, are the
0: same those are the same people treating the coaches association like it's nineteen
1: ninety-three. I don't know about I don't know about all that, but I'm just saying, we call it indoor state. When I was yeah. coaching, so when we when we won the four by eight, we're like, hey, we're the indoor state champions in the four by eight. That's how that's how. Now, obviously, you don't you don't put that up on your wall in your gym like you do if you win an outdoor state championship. So it's not. I'm Depends not saying it's who you are. Apples, but it's it's like Gala apples to Honey Crisp. Okay, they're still in the same category. It's we're not talking about Mandarin oranges here. Derek
0: Lineiger, known a, produce expert.
1: Georgia just said opal apples are better. The peanut gallery over here.
0: Well, Honeycrisp is the best one.
1: Oh, I, I agree.
0: Uh, all right. How about three three things? Last time you gave us three things to watch for the track season plus one. How about three more things to watch for this track season, according to you, Dr. Derek Lininger?
1: I'm going to keep it to three this time. I'm going to follow the rules, okay? So, okay. one – Vaulters. We're talking about the elite Vaulters. So Cody, I already mentioned these names but Cody Johnson out of Hobart he's, he was seven. he jumped 17 feet last year. Only 10 guys in state history have jumped 17 feet and nobody has ever jumped 18 feet. He's already gone 16 five and a quarter indoors this year interested to see what Cody does this year and then we already mentioned her name she, she won our meet this past weekend but Kaylee Swart um, from Cathedral 13.5 already indoor number five of all time the state record is 14 feet. And I'm not a, I'm not a pole vault expert, but I'm like, if you can go 13, five and you keep getting better, you, there is a, there's a chance that you can go 14 feet this year. So we have two senior vaulters who are historically great. One boy, one girl. I'm interested to see 18 and 14. How close can they get to those historic state record numbers?
0: You know, one of the interesting things that's happened, I think we've talked about this on the podcast, over the last several years, is the development of coaches understanding that the skill set that it takes to be a good vaulter also can kind of come back. And those are all those are kids that are some of your better ones in other events, too. So, People are starting to wisen up and be like, okay, wait, we've got this great vaulter and he can continue to just basically train for the pole vault, but uh, maybe we want to put him on the four by one. And you know, I think the height of this was a, a boy that went to our school uh, several years ago named Ryan light, who won the vault was second in the hundred and then ran on scoring four by one and four by four relays. And I think Westfield's done a good job of this as well. They'll have a kid that vaults and they also run him in the hurdles, and you can run him on the relay. But I think good good track teams are going to find ways to leverage their vaulters in other events as well.
1: When you said this is straight up, when you said our school, I thought you're talking about Snyder. And then you start saying mm-hmm. the name, I was like, I don't remember that guy. So yeah. that must be that must be a car. And then I recognize them as a caramel name.
0: Yeah. Well, so, because you coached there and I, you know, I went there
1: and I, and I still, I still work right next door at the elementary school. So like, I you literally do. see Snyder High School every single day. I drove by there
0: last weekend. I went and, and uh, took my kids and showed us, showed them the old, the old houses, the two houses that I used to live in.
1: Oh uh, yeah. The outside, by just, not, just the outside. Just, yeah. I mean, the, the people, people get real weird when you go inside their house and you don't yeah. know them. But you're like, mm-hmm. I grew up here. Like, this is my house. They're like, not after we signed that uh, the closing document.
0: <laughs> Actually, the, like, the people we sold our, this is the skip ahead portion real quick. Uh, the people we sold the house to, the first house that I lived in until I was like eight, they still live there. Oh, really? Yeah, that house hasn't been sold since like 1995.
1: Did they have a clause in the contract that said that kid with the Facebook radio is never allowed back in this building again?
0: Uh, but it also says a voice for traditional print media.
1: for yeah. traditional print media. Perfect. All right, here's my second. So I gave you one. Here's my second. Nayir Nawash Campbell. Hope oh,
0: that yes. Hope, I, he's very good. It
1: that dude lit it up this weekend. He's a senior yeah. from Plainfield. Yeah. 21.92, 49.42. number one in the state in both 200 and 400 now. So those times are legit. Like those times are legit early February times. Yeah. Now, he did it at a brand new state-of-the-art bank track where a lot of people ran real fast this weekend. Dude, he could have run
0: that on the moon, Derek. What's that? He could have run that on the moon. That kid's awesome.
1: Okay, I don't think he could have run that on the moon. I don't know if you understand physiology half as much as you say. Yeah,
0: only one of us is a doctor
1: here, so. (laughs) It's not 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 an exercise science. Well, you don't have a master's
0: degree in secondary education from Ball State University you do yeah you have a that's master's nice. degree from ball state and something i else.
1: do too but it's not i was like no mine's not. mine that's not my master's that's <laughs> a little more narrow than yours <laughs> um and then my third my third thing to watch and this is really like the absence of performances thus far okay where are the distance girls okay so the only distance like you think about these elite group of distance girls we have cridge sutherland kennedy farley keesler Canablo I might be missing a name or two but like that elite that top like five to eight like girls who have just had fireworks last track season this cross-country season the only one of those here's the funny thing the only one of those who has run anything so far is Canablo and she's a swimmer she's not she's running meet. she ran that one meet while she's actually swimming the official season so my question is where are they at because last last indoor season we had amazing performances we had sub fives remember we had a couple of girls right around like 10 11 10 12 in the in the 3200 like we had elite all-time performances indoors um and we haven't seen it yet so i'm if you're out there and i said your name or you're just super fast come to our showcase me and drop the hammer so that we can see what's going on with our distance girls. Cause we really just haven't seen much from those elite runners so far this year.
0: Come on out to Wabash. It'll be fun. It'll be a fun meet.
1: Those are my three points. Three more things I'm watching for. In addition to the first four I gave you.
0: Seven things.
1: Doesn't happen all the time. You had them all up. Uh, this is 12. Does that make any sense?
0: How long has it been since you were a coach? Of- uh, officially, I know. I know Gwen coached for a while, and you helped her out. But how long since you were getting a stipend <laughs> with your <laughs> last name? Time on I,
1: it? Last of mouth, professional. Um, it was eight years ago. It was two thousand fifteen. Two thousand fifteen track.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say it doesn't feel that long, and then I was like, no, it does actually. It feels it like does. it's been about eight years.
1: Yeah, it's been eight years.
0: And you you coach cross country, you coach track for, did you coach for eight years?
1: I coached 12 years. So I was, my first year coaching when I was in college, I coached, um, I was assistant boys, cross country coach at East Noble. Then the spring I was a volunteer assistant coach at track at Snyder with my guy, Colin, shout outs, his sophomore year. Um, I, ran,
0: I ran the state meet that year.
1: I remember I was there. And I then think the I'm next. Still finishing. Year, so. I, I think I they think closed that timeout just for this. It's like it's like a cold case. It's like no, we're not gonna, we're not going to catch this guy. Um, <laughs> then I spent two years at Concordia coaching uh, boys cross country and track. So that's three years total. And then I came back to Snyder for nine years. So from '06 to '15, I was the head um, cross country coach, and uh, for a number of those years, I was also head boys track coach. And then coached girls and boys cross country, girls and boys distance. And the boys, mid-distance, like 400, 800. Your dad, your dad was with me for a number of those years. He was our, uh, like in track, he coached longer distance. I coached mid-distance, which worked out beautifully. Um, but yeah, so I ended up coaching 12 years total before I, before I went to administration. And and at that point, um, at that point, especially as like you know our daughter was getting older and transitioning into a you know administration from teaching was a big change. So it was a good, it was a logical time to step away from coaching.
0: It's got to be probably around this time, especially track starting to heat up. You got to, you miss it a little bit, right?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, there's, there's parts of it. So like the absolute biggest thing that I miss is the relationship between a coach and an athlete, particularly when, when they run for four years and like if they're a cross country and track athlete, like you essentially are with them daily and you watch them grow from just out of middle school to adulthood and it's and it's i mean it's just cool it's just a cool relationship you get to have to make an impact on the lives of teenagers who are really still very formidable and what they're you know who they are and um or formative i guess is the word not formidable they're formative they're still deciding who they're going to be as adults trying to make these big life choices about college and, you know, what kind of career they're interested in. And um, it's just really cool to to be part of, you know, that, that relationship. I haven't found it in anything else I've done since then. Teaching wasn't the same administration is not the same and those are still great jobs, but that relationship between coach and athlete, um, I still stay in touch with a lot of those athletes, you know, the boys and girls who are now men and women, they're getting married, they're having babies they're paying taxes thank you thank you for contributing to social security because i'll retire before them like they're all grown up and it's just it's, it's cool it's cool to watch that's the biggest thing i miss
0: yeah i mean you are for a lot of those kids maybe all of those kids like other than their parents you're like the central adult in their lives for a long for a long period of time which is a you know it's a pretty yeah. serious responsibility
1: so it's interesting, like, because I started coaching really young. I started coaching when I was in college. In fact, Same. I became the head the head boys coach at Snyder when I was a senior in college. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, 21, 22, coaching these guys who are, you know, between 14 and 18. And at first, I was just coaching boys. My first few years was just the boys team. And you kind of use what, I think as a coach, you use what you have. And at that point, I was close enough in age to them to be like a big brother, you know, like trying to speak wisdom into their life, being just several years older, a few years older. Um, The the older I got, the more it felt like, okay, I transitioned from like a big brother to more of like an actual adult figure, um, which also coincided with me getting married and having our own child and, you know, literally becoming an adult. Um, And and by the time I was done coaching, you know, I'm, I'm in my 30s at that point. it's like, it really was a different relationship than when I first started. But I think that's, I think that's what it is. And I think if I were, you know, if I were you and I'm going to coach my whole life, at some point you become like the wise old grandpa figure that's, you know, just wants these kids to make good choices and learn how to set goals and work hard and make progress towards them. Um, So I, you know, I think my, the relationships change over time, but uh, uh, I do miss that. I also miss, here's the other part I miss. Okay like when in October and I miss May, like when you have a really good team that's worked hard, they've done it the right way, they've stayed healthy and you have a shot to go compete in the state cross country finals. You have a shot to, you know, go compete for a state title in a four by eight or four by four, or, you know, an individual, you've got a really good track team that you think is going to place pretty, pretty high in Bloomington. Like that's cool. I, and I missed that. Um, like you've been you've been kind of earning your checks all season, then you get to cash them in at the end, and that's just that's a cool time when you've got a squad that's really that's really doing well. So I also miss that. Like I'll go to some like I'll go like to a track regional meet, or I'll go to you know go broadcast a state track meet or state cross country meet, and those are when I'm like man, coaching was fun because you get to see all the culmination of your work on that day, and you know win lose or draw like. there's closure there's you move on you move on after that and you you kind of you kind of live in seasons as a coach um that I that that's gone for me like I don't like October is not cross country tournament because I'm not coaching October is just the third month of the school year you know um it's that part is a lot different like coaches I don't think coaches realize that until they get out that they've been living their lives in this you know kind of yeah. perpetual seasons connected to I mean that their sport
0: that for me is like maybe the the number one benefit outside of like the relationships and the camaraderie is like how scheduled and how routine that it, in a good way that it keeps your life of yeah okay well in this month these are the thing these are the things that we do and we can kind of move forward and you mark your life not by years necessarily but by school years or by seasons and it's it's interesting that you said you and i've known each other for a very long time um that like the transition from being a young coach to being not an old coach but an older coach and then out of coaching and it's like that's the exact place i feel like i i just presented at the coaches clinic um this past weekend, you know, three different times. And then I saw you on Sunday, I asked if you wanted to go clubbing on Friday and you said, no, there's no clubs in Fort Wayne. And then I asked if maybe there's a Chili's it's open past 11. And you said, you weren't sure. Um, but like, that's kind of the point that I at. you know, when I coached it the first year as I coached at Columbus North, I was 20 and the kids were, you know, 14, but some of them were 18 and they were basically the same age as me. And so you are just like a, like a, like a big brother or cousin or whatever. But now I'm at the point that it's just like, maybe it's not with my, you know, my potential platform. Maybe it's not enough to just coach the kids on my team. Maybe I need to think about my place within the whole state or or the whole sport within the state. Um, so it's interesting that you that you said that. Miscellaneous minute. State of the unions tonight. What do you think?
1: State of the union is about to start here in just a few minutes. So interestingly enough, in a
0: few minutes. We have two minutes left.
1: Biden's aides, there were a number of, you know, presidential aides who were suggesting to Biden that the State of the Union is kind of stale, like presenting to this joint session of Congress the pomp and circumstance, and you cover eighteen different topics over an hour and a half of, you know, just this monologue of only interrupted by, you know, half the crowd standing up and half the crowd looking really upset to be awake at nine thirty. So, there's been a lot of, and this happened with like in previous presidents, I know Obama at one point was floating the idea of presenting the state of the union, like in a gymnasium in Ohio or something like that. It's interesting because it's it's like the, the speech, the speech is like this custom and this, you know, this has been for, for centuries now we've done this, but it's like, is it, does it need revision? Cause I'm, 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 barely interested in what happens politically in our country. I'm not super – I wouldn't call myself strong on either side of in terms of political parties, but it affects me, so I'm going to pay attention. But I'm not going to stay up and watch an hour-and-a-half speech at 9 o'clock on a Tuesday night. I mean, you right. Yeah. I got NBA work- Pass, man. Yeah. So it'd be curious to see if if we continue with this format or if at some point in the future they change it and they hang out in gyms in Ohio.
0: Derek Leininger, possible political anarchist. However, you either love him, you hate him, or you think he's okay. Go Hounds.